Getting better by the minute. Welcome to Predator Minute, the podcast that breaks down the 1987 sci-fi action classic Predator one minute at a time. I'm John, and with me today is a returning guest, Jeff Glover. Hey there. How's it going, Jeff? Great. Thanks for having me back. I'm I'm glad I get to be here to ruin your podcast again. <laughs> <laughs> Enhance. I think the word you're looking for is enhance. Enhance. Okay, got it. Next time. Enhance. 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 Okay, um, <laughs> so my brother Aaron is, again, not with us. He's off in Zimbabwe doing the doctor thing still. Yeah, doing doing uh, the Lord's work. Doing the Lord's work. Amen. So hopefully he hears this. And amen to you, Aaron. Good job, Aaron. Aaron. We miss you. Yeah, good, we miss you. Come back to the show sometime, Aaron. Yeah, sometime. Good to have you. Yeah, sometime. Anytime, really. <laughs> <laughs> Love to have you. Okay, uh, today we're talking about Minute 13 and Predator. Minute 13 opens with a descending crane shot in the jungle and ends with Dylan entering the downed chopper behind Poncho. And Jeff, you being the returning guest, I want to throw it to you. What would you like to talk about uh, with this minute, first thing? Well, uh, after watching this minute several times in a row, what really, uh, (laughs) you know, what really jumped out to me, actually, so it's less about what's on screen, and I really, uh, this is the part of the movie where, for me, the score really starts to jump out. Mm, yeah. Um, I love the score, uh, in this, especially in this part when they're walking through the jungle, they do that kind of classic, like eighties score thing where it's, you know, I'm talking about where it kind of goes like, dunk, 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 and like random mm-hmm. sound, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but it's great. It just totally sets the mood as they're kind of like slowly prowling through the, through the jungle. So have you guys talked much about the score? I know like we've had some soundtrack songs, but. Uh, last week, Patrick and I, uh, my cousin Patrick, uh, guest of the show, talked about the score a little bit. Uh, it was it was less kind of about what the score was doing and more about just the function the score was playing along with all the sound effects. Even though there was no dialogue that last minute, there was plenty of noises in the jungle with um, the animal sounds, plus the also the drums, which we hear make yeah. a comeback in this minute. Oh, the drums yeah, are so good. Oh, the drums are so good. Yeah. Yeah, so that really jumped out at me in this minute was uh, just the, the composition of the score and how you it starts to set the mood. You know, this is a transitional period in the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, they're now out of the helicopter. All the introductions are done. We're now moving through the jungle. And so, you know, clues start to emerge. The sense of dread really starts to set in. Mm-hmm. Um, you start to get a sense that, that you know, things are not going as, as planned. And the score really helps to elevate that, I think. I just I just love how it just kind of sets that mood. Yeah. So the guy that did the score was also, I looked him up. His name is Alan, do you remember his last name? Alan? Silvestri. Silvestri, that's right. And apparently he did the score for a bunch of other classic 80s movies, including oh, tons like- tons of them. Yeah, Back to the Future trilogy, among a bunch of others. Oh, yeah. He's been just all over the place. It was one of our, our first credits that we talked about, just mm. uh, because of how ubiquitous ubiquitous he is in the cinema scene he's still making movie soundtracks 
Uh, the most recent ones were the Avengers soundtracks. So those, gosh, I can't even think of how the Avengers theme song goes, but you would know it if you heard it. Uh, another thing he wrote up, and he did all the Robert Zemeckis films. So Back yeah. to the Future, you mentioned. That's why it sounds kind of familiar, Gone. kind of nostalgic. Like he's mm-hmm. definitely got a style. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of like here in 80s and 90s John Williams scores. Totally. They use a lot of the same instruments on a lot of the same melodies. Uh, in this case, like you were saying, it's that do 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 do, like a little maybe some xylophone action right. in the background. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think I think it's really trying to paint the picture of like they're investigating something. They're not quite right. right in any kind of action heated moment right now, but they are like on the trail of something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as soon as you know, well, we'll talk about it when we get there. But those those drums kick in when they get to that the helicopter stuck in the trees, and that's just so great. Yeah, that. That shot, um, I really enjoyed this shot where, just to kind of intro the shot, the minute begins with, like I said, the crane shot descending down in the jungle. It never really lands on anything, which is nice. It's kind of like left dangling. Mm-hmm. We see we see Poncho's face for about a second, and then you see this wide shot as the camera pans up, and far above the soldiers' heads, you see this chopper just hanging it's it's almost like it's zooming out of like a, a haunted house or something like yeah. that. Just just the way it sits in the frame after um, it zooms in, and it's like if you if you're not looking for it right away, you'll just kind of oh like what is that? What I'm looking at was like solid object there, but then as it, the camera rests on the chopper, it really focuses in on oh okay, I'm looking at like the husk of this this down chopper. Yeah, um, and yeah, it's 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 really right. It's all, telling us, oh, they're on the right trail. It's all wrapped in vines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll stuck up in that tree. I got real nervous when they throw the uh, grappling hook up there. <laughs> like, is that thing going to come down? <laughs> I made a note of that. Like, is that the best idea? Is like that you want to put your <laughs> yeah your your grapple onto the chopper that's hanging from these vines? Didn't these people watch Jurassic Park? <laughs> but of course, of course, they didn't because it doesn't come out for another few years. But. Right, with a jeep falling through the trees. Yeah, right? that does feel like a risky. Yeah, right. The jeep falls through the trees. <laughs> that does feel like a risky move, though, to just like be swinging, kind of climbing up the to the helicopter. Although I suppose if the helicopter is stuck, those vines are holding that giant helicopter up. Uh, maybe just yeah. adding one more person to the weight isn't going to do anything. But I still got nervous for them. I, yeah. I thought maybe it was going to fall, and the movie would just end right there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that'd be a good. Yep, that, that yeah, end and credits. credits roll. <laughs> Directed by John McTiernan. <laughs> but yeah, he uh, Poncho goes first. Uh, Poncho to me has been playing the role in these first couple minutes more of the tracker or the guide or the lead or the point more yeah. so than Billy, and I think that comes from him being a Vietnam veteran just a few years prior. Yeah, yeah. So he he doesn't climb up. Does Poncho climb up into the chopper? He's the one that climbs up. Yeah, that's right. Dylan is holding the rope and then Poncho climbs up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they get in there and that's when the drums start to play is when they get up into the helicopter. <laughs> yeah, and those drums, are, are they happen in the last minute too, just uh, right after a scene change. You're looking at Poncho's face and then they do this rack focus in the previous minute to show the team moving through the jungle. Mm. They have those drums just going. Uh, Patrick was theorizing that it's supposed to kind of disorient you and to also put in your head that maybe the team is in a new situation that they haven't been before or um, something new is to come 
Um, whereas this kind of like investigative music before the drums kind of paints a picture of, oh, we're just, like I said, investigating. We're just kind of on the trail of something. We've done something similar to this, but then that, like you're saying. It also sort of instills a, like, like I said, sort of a sense of dread. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it's a change, definitely a change in tone from the score previously. Mm -hmm. And to me, you know, it sounds very, very tribal, right? Like, you know, it's like tribal drum music. And I was thinking like, when would, when would, you know, a tribe play a song like that and, what occurred to me was maybe like the night before um, a great hunt or mm. something, right? And they're around the fire and they're, you know, getting ready and they're playing their drums and singing like traditional songs. So maybe this is also supposed to kind of instill that sense that, you know, a hunt is about to happen, you know, sort of right. al- alluding to the to later on in the film. Yeah, a great hunt is about to happen. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. yeah. It is good. It's so good, though, because it's it's the perfect, it just sets the perfect mood. Um, and every time that those drums come back, you know that, you know, they're going to discover something or something bad's going to happen. Yeah, so that'll be something to, look, to listen for uh, in the future musically, whereas when I've watched this in the past, I haven't really watched for the music. I'm watching for the visual things, and any kind of colors or quotes. Uh, but it's good to have that kind of music, musical storytelling as well uh, we're looking at the chopper upside down uh at that wide shot and you can't really in my opinion you don't really see any damage you don't see any blast holes or anything like that or burn marks um, and they do mention this uh, in the next minute as, as being possibly hit by a heat seeker mm. a heat seeking missile but right if that's if that's the case you don't really see that damage and I, I don't think you're meant to. I think you're just meant to know that there's the chopper. They're going to go investigate. Let's see what happens when uh, when we go inside. And, and like you said, the drums kick in. Yeah. They climb in. And then we get to see the very first blood of the entire movie, right? First blood. First that's right. First blood. Yeah. On the wall. It's not uh, on, a, on a body yet. It's just sort of splattered on a wall. Mm-hmm. Um, but we see like a bunch of torn and ripped out cables and kind of the guts of the helicopter have been clearly destroyed and ripped through Mm -hmm. like almost beyond what uh, a crash could do right so you get the sense that the there's been like a great commotion beyond just the crash there's been a a, a massive commotion inside the cabin of the helicopter yeah and i I take that to mean that whoever hit this chopper also entered it maybe via grappling hook like them and they tore out like the radio equipment they tore out the electronics they're either scavenging or trying to destroy any kind of traces uh but i i made the note that all these wires cables pulled out and kind of spilled you know into the chopper it is very reminiscent of things we'll see later in the movie with like the bodies uh, ripped open and ooh yeah the guts torn out and yeah, it, people's insides being outside along with some blood. <laughs> so, you, so you have that kind of like that that blood dripping yeah, right I, next to that imagery. I like that. That's good. Nice connection there, English teacher. Well done. Hey, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I would say I would say it's a pretty direct foreshadowing. I was probably not much deeper there, not much deeper meaning. But then um, a few seconds pass and we do see a little bit more blood. And this time it's on a body when... yeah. Well, first, Poncho is looking down because he's in the middle of the chopper and he's looking down into the cockpit. And when I freeze frame it before it uh, switches the shot to be looking from the cockpit towards Poncho, um, before that, there's a center console between the pilots and it looks like maybe it has blood on it. It's hard to tell Mm. if that's blood or if that's just, I don't know what it's supposed to be. If it's supposed to be blood or it's just supposed to be some other kind of mess or vines or something like that. 
uh, but it does switch shots soon afterwards and you can see blood on the windscreen um, and then you can uh, as it's after it switches shots then you can see uh, the pilot's face really obscured by vines uh, but definitely bloodied yeah. I don't know what you make of that scene I was gonna mention when when the we finally get into the helicopter and the camera gets up there and at first it the camera feels steady and when we see the blood against the wall but I found as they move through the helicopter and the shots kind of changed and I felt mm-hmm. like they they changed the perspective several times. The camera kind of changes direction. I found that whole sequence kind of disorienting. Ooh, and, yeah. you know, like I couldn't quite tell, wait, am I looking at the top of the helicopter or the bottom? What's left? What's right? Um, and I didn't know if they did that on purpose. Probably did. Uh, probably. <laughs> yeah, probably did. But it gave you a good sense of with the helicopter turned around, it's hard to tell up from down, left from right, especially if you were crashing into the jungle, right? And so mm-hmm. they, they kind of emulated that feeling pretty well just by moving the camera sort of through there and changing the direction back and forth. Um, I found that to be pretty effective. Totally. Uh, I, I think McTiernan would tell you that that's all intentional for, like you're saying, confusing the audience, not giving the audience a, a steady perspective to assume. I'm just watching, <laughs> sorry, watching the minute again, you've seen Carl Weathers climb up the rope after poncho and that that helicopter is definitely rocking back and forth as he's doing it <laughs> so it's like, it's like you're just trying to will it down it's like i don't know maybe billy has to go up and chop the vine down or something like that <laughs> just to bring it down but it, it is interesting in that this scene is is you think to me it's misleading you think they're going to spend all this time just going through and look for clues in the chopper yeah uh, whereas really the next minute they're just on the trail for the gorillas Right. They're not spending time, wasting time, really just looking at this piece or that wire or that blood or that body. It's just... Yeah. No, if anything, it, it makes them move faster, right? They're like, mm-hmm. okay, let's go get this job done and get out of here. Obviously, something bad is happening. We need to get this over with and be done. And this is a minute that is like last minute. It's completely dialogue-free. Mm-hmm. There's some looks exchanged between Poncho and Dutch and a great shot before Poncho throws up his grappling hook where you have five of the team members. You have Mac, Dylan, Dutch, Poncho, and Billy all looking up at that chopper. So can we talk about my favorite part of the minute? Yeah. It happens at the <laughs> happens at the very, very end. So to the listeners out there, you may not know that uh, John does a lot of hard work in prepping for these episodes, <laughs> and he takes the movie and, and you clip them up into one-minute segments to make right. it very easy to look at the one-minutes. What's funny about that is that when the one minute is over, it just stops, right? So (laughs) watching Mm. this minute, at the very end of this minute, uh, Carl Weathers, Dylan, uh, (laughs) sticks his head into the chopper and he does it in a way that looks like he's about to kiss Poncho. (laughs) And then all of a sudden... because you would, you would chop the video, it just goes to black. <laughs> and I, I watched that, like, I swear to God, like 30 times in a row. <laughs> it's like the last <laughs> two seconds of it. I want to tur- turn it into a GIF <laughs> and post it to your Predator Minute Twitter page. Oh, it, I love it. Cracks like he's up. about to whisper something in his ear. Like Are you looking at it right now? <laughs> I am looking at it. He definitely has like his neck kind of strained out. And his lips reason. are kind of pursed and like he turns yeah. his head just right. <laughs> it's cracking up. I, I watched that like 40 times in a row. 
And Poncho is just looking so solemn. You know, he's looking down at the pilots. And like, it's almost like he's going to give him a little comforting peck on the neck or something like that. Like, hey, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay, big guy. It looks like he's going in for a snuggle. Yeah. <laughs> and then it cuts the black. <laughs> right. <laughs> when you watch it and when you watch the actual film, it's more natural because the shot continues and he's clearly not leaning in for a kiss. But when you cut, <laughs> when you cut it off right at the end of the minute... <laughs> it's hilarious. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so there you go. That's my favorite part of the minute. <laughs> that's your favorite part. That's what really stood out yeah, to me. Yeah, for what it's worth. <laughs> yeah. The score and Carl Weathers' face. <laughs> a little secret of my kiss. Like, now that we're alone in this, <laughs> this blown yes. up chopper, <laughs> just us and the bodies. Finally, just the two of us. <laughs> high up in the chopper. <laughs> uh, sp- speaking of high up in the chopper, when you see that, chopper the first time that wide shot i I mean it looks like it is high high up there uh, uh, in the canopy above their heads like i would estimate 40 or 50 feet in the wide shot and then when they're throwing the ropes up and like they're climbing up carl weathers is all of you know 10 feet you know from the bottom of the chopper from where he's yeah so maybe they found a really steady branch to climb off of (laughs) into the chopper or Maybe it's just a matter of them moving around or different perspective that they're... I was wondering if that was a, like how big that actually was. Like, if, was it a set piece? Like, did they actually, you know, rig a full-size chopper up? Was it more of a miniature to get the shot? And then, I don't know if you have any insight on that, but I, but perhaps if, if they did use some sort of miniature uh, to set the shot, and then when they switched to, to Dylan holding the rope, maybe just for practicalities he had to be closer to the chopper just to make the shot work right just a little maybe a little goof in terms of uh continuity but you know it works now all he's talking about in the commentary there is just having to adapt to uh the deciduous forest and oh yeah bringing in bringing in leaves and fake branches and stuff fake branches yeah he's not talking about the actual you know you can unfortunately yeah you can see that in this uh in this shot when they're, or maybe it's in the previous minute, but they they kind of move the camera through the jungle. I would never have noticed it unless I had learned that about the jungle setting that they had to bring in a bunch of extra leaves, but you can clearly deliberately see that they have placed, you don't see that they placed it, but you can tell they deliberately moved the camera really close to some leaves. You know, they kind Mm. of make, they make the leaves kind of go across the shot. Um, as a way to sort of establish, ooh, it's very leafy in this jungle, right? Yeah. And then, and then they kind of cut away to the characters. But at, at, knowing that they had to do that, I recognized it more this time. Yeah, and it's it's very deliberate. Yeah. Uh, minute twelve, where like the there's this huge green lush bush that just passes in front of the camera. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of because I watched a couple minutes today just in this this area to get a sense of. Uh, just to kind of orient myself to what was happening in the whole movie. Yeah, it's almost like they're just advertising, like, "Hey, no, the the jungle is alive and well. Don't don't worry. There's not. <laughs> we're we're in, a, we're in a place where it's always green. We right. filmed at a time where it's green. It's very leafy here. <laughs> it's very, very leafy. <laughs> so, so good job. And one of the arguments I was making is that does add to the feeling of claustrophobia, which is the same thing as here in the chopper, the downed chopper. There's not a whole lot of room, even though right, you can look around and see some different things. It's Right there and like so close, like two soldiers could kiss and nobody would know. (laughs) That's when Dylan turns and says, it's our snuggle shack. (laughs) (laughs) So cozy. Never knew how how much I missed this, Pancho. (laughs) Um, Oh, you mentioned um, in the off 
sound there that you edited out part. You mentioned <laughs> that it had some grappling hook history. I, I couldn't help but oh, think yeah. about yeah. How, where did this originate? I didn't find a true origin for the grappling hook, uh, but overall it's it's been a solid mainstay in military. It's been a mainstay in, in combat across different civilizations for thousands of years. Uh, Britannica.com puts the ancient Romans as using it during their naval battles to hook onto enemy ships, bring them closer. Uh, the Japanese word for it is kaginawa, which means rope hook. Mm. And it was used by samurai in feudal Japan. So that would put that about 800 to 400 years ago. That kind of feudal Ooh, look Japan. Look at you pulling out your historical facts. <laughs> Kaginawa. That's Kaginawa. Good. Yeah. I like yeah. Using to scale walls, secure a boat, or for hanging up armor and other equipment during the night. That's my favorite use. Mm. Just hanging up my... <laughs> Hanging up my gear. Or to get up to your snuggle shack high up in the jungle. <laughs> <laughs> and I was I was watching videos on people repelling and nobody really repels like this. Or repel, nobody uses the grappling hook like you see it here. Mm. Mostly what you do with the grappling hook is you'll hook something to pull it towards you. But if you're going to climb up something, you likely won't use a grappling hook as much as you like tie a stone around a rope and then throw the rope around so a you, tree limb and bring that down. Right. So you loop it. Yeah. Yeah. You loop it. You're not just dependent on that one anchor point. Yeah. Cause you can't is. always see where the grappling hook is going to snag. Right. It could be very precarious. <laughs> and in movies, you almost never see where it hangs. Right. It's like, I just threw it up on top of this building. Hope it caught on something. And it always it. catches on like the perfect spot too. He's like, Oh yeah. Throws it up Ties there. Ties itself and, in a knot. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, look, it just happened to land right next to this giant steel <laughs> loop that's bolted to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> I love the metal clang it makes, too, when it, like, lands. Oh, yeah. It's just this clang, clang, clang. Super loud. Yeah. Great sound design. Like, you could imagine that, like, in the jungle, this team's trying to be all quiet and, like, <laughs> Poncho, come on, don't. Don't mess us up. Don't clang so loud. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, but when it clangs, um, I love the shot because, it, like, it shakes the whole fuselage shakes the door frame of the chopper when it's like trying to um secure into yeah. into its mount yeah just loud clang and then you see like a big shift as like pulling it down so you also mentioned in this uh minute that we get kind of a little like predator what'd you call it? a little predator sound or um yeah it's, it's kind of weird it's not like the it's not like the peter cole and the it's 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 very like automated like a ch -ch -ch. Mm. Much more like I would say Jason and Friday the yeah. 13th. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little bit more automated. And that might, that's possibly just part of the score, you know, with all the little sound effects and, and whatnot that they're doing. Oh, sure. Yeah. And we were talking before the minute about this, but uh, the, this this has to be like one of the, I don't know, more more crazy things you could ever find you know, out there in the woods, out in the bush, out in the jungle. Mm. I, I was wondering you personally in your, I don't know, hiking experience or just being out in the woods in general or even the jungle if you've ever made it out to the jungle what's the craziest strangest thing you've ever found uh well i have been to a jungle one time mm. my uh my wife and i took a trip to honduras one time um okay. spent two weeks just kind of backpacking around uh the country down there um just sort of adventure traveling and uh one of the stops that we made was at a uh a, it was kind of called a jungle lodge. It was sort of, uh, I want to say it was touristy, but not really because it's in Honduras, Honduras, and nothing in Honduras is that touristy. 
Um, okay. But you had to like take a Jeep ride like an hour out th- these dirt roads. And then it was a, uh, it was really cool. It was like this big sort of wooden structure built into the side of a hill that had a big deck had a bunch of like sleeping rooms with beds and bunk beds and then had a little like eating hall and a bar. You had to pay a certain amount of money and you could stay uh, the night there. And and every night that you stayed included in your stay was an excursion. You could choose from like they would do a, a hike down the river They or you could do a uh, there was zip lining. A course that they had set up there, several different things. So we ended up doing um, kind of it was like a river hike slash little rafting tour of the oh, awesome. of the river. Yeah, so you you kind of start by hiking up the the river uh, a mile or two, and then they had a, a raft there waiting that you got in. You kind of took the raft back down to the building. And so anyway, along the way, that our guide was really cool, and he would show us a bunch of like you know local plants and animals and and insects, and he. It was a whole bunch of crazy ass spiders that Ooh. he showed us along the way. And these spiders would, they kind of like, they didn't really make webs. They would just sort of like chill on the rocks right on the side of the river. And then they could also walk on the water if the Whoa. if the water was calm enough, like if it was a little sort of calm spot by the side of the river without too much current. Mm-hmm. And uh and he was like, and but they were kind of gray colored, so if you weren't paying attention, you wouldn't see it until you were really up close to it. <laughs> and uh, so he took us over to this little kind of calm uh, spot by the side of the river and said, "Come, come close, come close." And I got real close to him, and he reached down, and I didn't even see him, but he grabbed a spider that was sitting on the water, standing on the water, and lifted it up and stretched it out in front of my face. <laughs> and he had the spider by like. Four of its legs, and when he stretched it out, it was probably I don't know six inches across. Oh my lord! And I don't like spiders <laughs> at all. <laughs> so I I lo- I lost my man card that day big time because <laughs> I shrieked like a tiny little girl and r- and like ran, sort of did like that sloppy sort of run fall, you know, swim combo, like away from him in the waist, waist high water. Oh man. So there, that's one of the craziest things that I've seen in the jungle. Wow. Uh, do you remember the type of spider it was? I don't. He, I, he probably told us, but I was too busy cursing him for making me shit my shorts <laughs> <laughs> well I, I only ask because there are the species of spiders that aaron and i talked about that were named after the predator movie oh called predator, nice the predator unops and like each one is like predator unops dutch or predator predator unops mctiernan or oh, predator unops awesome. mac actually i think for mac they used his full name yeah. which i'm not remembering right now i'll have to add that in post Elliot. That is awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah. So big ass water walking spiders from Honduras is the craziest Ooh, thing I've seen. In the jungle. Some chills in there. No, that's yeah, good, good for you. Yeah. Wow. That's uh, like how you're in the jungle and like you're. Yeah. As soon as I saw it, those drums started playing. <laughs> and then Carl Weathers showed up and poked his head around the corner, tried to give me a kiss. I don't know. It was all very strange. Everything was okay. It was very reassuring. Yeah. It was awkward, but reassuring. I felt a lot like, better like, afterwards. Broke the, broke the tension. Like, hey, there. I'm serious, man. Problem. I got to make a gif of that, like, half second 
It's so funny. Just, just leaning in. <laughs> <laughs> and the minute they're climbing up this rope to connect to the grapple, and they're making it look like, oh, this is a hard thing to do is climb up this rope. And I, I have my own experience climbing up rope ladders as a kid. Mm. I, I specifically had one friend in Tennessee, Ricky, who had a treehouse. And to climb up, you'd have to climb up the super loose rope ladder really really just limp it was just like there's not it wasn't grounded it wasn't attached to anything there's no boards on it it was like <laughs> just made out of rope it was i love it parents parents don't care just climb up it kid <laughs> just climb up it. not not only that but he has a, a, a zip line that went from the <laughs> this tree house the top of it down to like uh, the bottom of a tree wow know, 50 feet away and there's one such instance where the zip line attachment was broken or something like that and he just macgyvered his way down by using his sweatshirt and throwing that over the zipline rope and ziplining down oh it's like that scene from tango and cash <laughs> tango and cash tango and cash <laughs> just ziplined it's when they, remember, do you remember that part they, they take off their belts they loop them around some power lines and they slide off the roof to get away i think it's from the prison i think it's the prison breakout scene sure i, I don't really remember that scene um, it's been a you're, while. You're but... due for a rewatch, my friend. <laughs> I am due for a rewatch. That'll be the next minute breakdown. That'd be great. Oh, yeah. Tango. Cash. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we'll start every episode. So, tell me, do you have some uh, good rope climbing stories or experience? It doesn't, doesn't have to be Ooh. in the woods or anything like that. It could be a rope or a rope uh, ladder. You know, I don't know if I have a good story. I do have memories of like climbing the rope in gym class, right? Like That mm. used to be like a thing. They don't totally. they don't do that anymore because they realized it was horribly dangerous. Right? Like they would drop this rope. It was literally attached by a bolt to like the rafters of the gym, like way up there, like probably three stories up. Uh and they would put like, you know, a two-inch pad on the at the bottom and be like, okay, climb to the top. If you're a real man, you can touch the rafter. <laughs> no, no safety supports, nothing. Yeah. And I remember doing that. I remember they would have, like in elementary school, they'd have us climb the rope and like see how high up we could get. And thinking back on it, that was unbelievably dangerous. I can't believe that was a thing. Oh, super dangerous. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And just, just like these little, right, middle schooler kids or whatever, just. They're not developed at all. They don't have any upper body. Or no, like no, it's crazy. Little Timmy with his tiny arms sending him up the rope. <laughs> he gets halfway up and then he's stuck. Oh, could could you do it? Could you climb on the roof? I the roof? Could, you, could you climb I, the rope? Not to toot my own horn, but yes, I could. Sweet, <laughs> I did, I did. And then I would burn my hands by sliding back down. <laughs> <laughs> but you wouldn't tell anybody. That's like nah. no, you just brush that off. Meanwhile, your hands are on fire. <laughs> um, Speaking of your uh, f like your treehouse story though, mm -hmm. uh, that made me think of I had some friends when I was a kid and they had a like kind of a treehouse fort uh, behind in the woods behind their house and there was also some sort of rickety ladder contraption that we had to get up. But uh, the cool thing about their treehouse is they had this like uh, tube. It was like a you know like a corrugated drainage tube that you might put in a guarded for like a French drain or something. Mm -hmm. And they uh, had stuck a tube in the side and the tube just went down to the ground and it was. Uh, was the treehouse's urinal? <laughs> you just pee into the, you just pee into the tube. <laughs> that is that is ingenious. Yeah, no, it was actually oh great because you didn't have to climb back down and go find a bush. The tube 
the tube just went into the bushes. The tube. <laughs> and so you could just pee from the treehouse. <laughs> Whenever the new person shows up, they have to ask, like, well, what's that tube for? <laughs> You're like, just go down there and take a smell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it smells like Tango's piss. Ooh, tango Ooh. cash. <laughs> so much in that piss. tube. <laughs> Oh, this podcast has gone off the rails. I'm sorry, everybody. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm realizing that we didn't we didn't actually really talk about just plot wise. You know, what, what what does this mean for the team? It means they found the downed chopper. It means the cabinet minister is not there. Well, the alleged cabinet minister is right. nowhere to be seen. So the people that they're looking for are not present. Meaning the people that they're looking for have taken or they fled on foot. They're not. <laughs> They're not defining other bodies right here at this minute. Yeah, and imagine how disconcerting it is, right? Because whatever or whoever is out there uh, mm -hmm. causing this disruption has the ability, the power, the strength to take down this chopper. And then when it does get stuck, whatever it is, is able to get up in there, destroy the inside, kill these two people, and uh, just leave it there and not really care uh, that they've left this behind. And mm -hmm. uh, so it, you know... For them to come upon this and realize what they're dealing with is a, a bit of a turning point, right, in their journey. Right, and they're, they're going to have to figure out, they're going to have to play some more of that investigative music for them to start snooping on, on the trail about where to go next and yeah. how, how they can solve this mystery. I referenced this field manual for the Army Jungle Operations document that I found online from 1982. This document was distributed through the army and it details all sorts of strategies, tactics having to do with combat in the jungle, uh, which I thought was very fitting. This being an 80s movie and this being an 80s official army document. Yeah, um, it, 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 it covers all the bases. So uh, last week I was talking about uh, the different hazards that you could face in the jungle, anything from insects to crocodiles to natives Essentially, all the things that would affect a normal group of humans in the jungle right. that has zero impact on, on this team in the jungle. There's only really, <laughs> Patrick and I talked about this, but there's only one real threat in the jungle uh, for this group of superhumans that we see later on. Um, that's super interesting. So are we to assume that all these uh, soldiers have read this manual and uh, then have to just throw it out because none of it applies to their situation? <laughs> These giant red X's through everything. Like, that doesn't apply. Right. It's not going to... I can beat a crocodile. Like that's not that's not the, <laughs> that's not going to be a danger. No, no. Like you, you need to throw something a little bit more meaty with me. Um, I will say they might have read it, but I don't think the people transporting this supposed cabinet minister read it because if I'm looking on under section ninety dash five, if I'm looking at six dash five, <laughs> uh, there are a couple paragraphs under the section air mobile operations. It says a helicopter, or no, I'm gonna. Just jump to the last paragraph. It says the helicopter is vulnerable to ground fire. Although the nature of the air defense threat will be different in every conflict, no commander can expect to survive if he maintains a stationary position anytime, anytime in the vicinity <laughs> of ground contact or orbits at high altitudes. The helicopter is extremely vulnerable to small arms fire and uh, can you guess what the other thing is that they're extremely vulnerable to? Carl Weathers' kissy face. <laughs> You're close. Oh. Heat sinking... Heat-seeking missiles, which could I also be a name for Carl Weathers' kissy face, oh, I suppose. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> 
cut cut scene end podcast right there. I, I think yeah. <laughs> it just it just finished getting better by the minute. Uh, no, but that's actually that's a great uh, connection. I love that. Yeah. So there you go. So that was my takeaway from the um, the field guide for this one because it talks this. There's a whole section on helicopter infiltration, extraction, helicopter support, but then also it makes note: don't hover in one place too long, helicopter pilots. You can and will be shot down. So that's telling me that whoever's flying this helicopter was going against the book and mm. possibly hovering in one place too long and therefore uh, shot down. Yeah. So bad strategy. I gotta gotta brush up on the field manual. Yeah. 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 And, and every week I was planning on revisiting just for you know a list here or a strategy there uh, there's a whole section on evasive maneuvers in the jungle there's some kind of fun little diagrams of people darting between trees and it's all it's all like these really kind of i don't know about middle school level illustrations of <laughs> but here's a person ducking behind a tree and here's someone hopping out of a cop uh, a chopper oh one one thing I'll quickly note is there there was a section also uh, that I didn't talk about when they're rappelling out of the helicopter a few minutes ago here in the movie. There is a section in the field manual detailing that with pictures how to uh, rappel out of the helicopter. And like I mentioned with Scott a few minutes ago, mm. the first person was not leaving correctly and everybody else was leaving correctly because the first person was trying to like keep his feet on the chopper as he's rappelling out and like his feet go way up in the air and his, you know, his butt is going down first and you really want your feet to go down first while keeping your L shape. So again, someone not reading the field manual. Oh, oh, <laughs> last, last thing from the field manual is uh, the section on infiltration on page 5-14. It mentions chances for success are better if troops are well-trained, well-briefed, and well-rehearsed. Roads, trails, and streams uh. should be avoided, you know, not just because of the spiders, but it says because they'll normally be under enemy surveillance. Movement, right. movement by stealth is normally slow and exhausting. Phase lines, infiltration routes, and adequate communications must be used to control the operation and to coordinate fires with movement. And that's something I notice in these minutes. They're not hanging, but they're not following a trail. They're not following a road per se. They're, they're not even seeing the streams. So, so there you they're go. Moving. They're just moving through the leaves. And that, that's not something I ever, that I ever thought about, right? That does not seem obvious that that would be like a monitored location. But yeah, I, I suppose if you're kind of entrenched in the defense in the jungle that um, you'd be looking for, I don't know, humans, other forces trying to access water for whatever use, maybe drinking water, right. transportation. Um, just it's easier, honestly, to hike through rugged terrain if you're following a river or a stream. Yeah. I mean, think how terrifying that would be, though, to have to maneuver through the jungle without having a good reference point like a body of water mm -hmm. or a trail. Mm -hmm. And you're just like using your compass to move north through the green jungle. Like you get you, you think about, you know, in modern warfare, like in the Vietnam War or whatnot, how utterly terrifying that must have been if you're following that protocol to try to move troops that way. Yeah. Ugh, yeah, I can only imagine. And then, and then later on uh, in our minutes, we're going to be talking about how <laughs> they're just simply trying to follow the trail of the gorillas so at that point it's like i don't know that's even scarier to me because you don't know where those tracks are going to end you don't know if they're going to form some kind of ambush point because they, yeah. they know that reinforcements are going to be coming all right well i think have we have we hit it all i think we've I hit think it we... all uh the original yeah. script doesn't do anything different just talking about people climbing yeah, into the that. chopper there's nothing in there about carl weathers is 
<laughs> no kissy face. That was an imp- that was an improvised move. I think that's one nice. of those things. It's just right, improvised, or it's just between the lines. <laughs> <laughs> he just inferred that from the script. Right. That's your English skills at work there. Your language <laughs> arts. The movies by minute format was uh, popularized by Star Wars Minute. Back in 2013, they just started their seventh season covering The Force Awakens one minute at a time. They just started this week. Very exciting. So they just released minute three of their Force Awakens talk. The whole Movies by Minute community and Star Wars Minute listener society is is abuzz with excitement. Very exciting. So those are the people we give credit for uh, starting this whole movement of Movies by Minute talk. And if you want to see which movies are covered minute by minute, you go to moviesbyminutes.com. Uh, our intro and outro music is provided by Chaosware, K-A-O-S-W-A-R-E, Chaosware Music. He so graciously allowed us to use the bumper, to use his cover of the Predator theme uh, as our bumper music. So thanks, Chaosware. If you have come across something crazy in the jungle or the woods or just outside in general, let us know. Email at PredatorMinute at gmail.com. We are, on, we are on Twitter and Facebook, Predator Minute, and you can find us at SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, other podcatching apps. Uh, and speaking of finding us, Jeff, where can people find you? Oh, you can find me on Twitter. <laughs> I am Jeff Glover. Uh, my Twitter handle is Carl underscore Hungus 314. <laughs> Come, come follow me for occasional pictures of my daughters and <laughs> <laughs> me griping about Seattle sports teams. <laughs> so you can find me on Twitter. I guess I am on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, there you are. Jeff Glover. Yeah. Jeff Glover. There you go. Oh, uh, why 314? Is that like your birthday or Ooh, is that? Math, pe- math people would know. Oh, that's like pie without the decimal. Hey, there you go. Oh, this guy. Carl Hungus pie. (laughs) (laughs) Gross. Just just like your grandmother used to make, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that heat-seeking missiles. I mean, she was (laughs) quite the connoisseur. (laughs) Whatever that word would be. Someone cooks. Okay, great. For Predator Minute, I've been John. And I'm Jeff Glover. And until next time. Steak around. (laughs) Here he comes for a kiss now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Carl. <laughs> 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 <laughs>